Happy New Year. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Can we stand uh, and begin to worship the Lord? Welcome if you're worshiping with us online today. Happy New Year, and uh, God bless you. Let's worship Him today. We thank you for your blessings, Lord.
we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your promises, Lord. God has seen us through 2022 and brought us into 2023. His promises are yes and amen, and there is no way that his promises are going to stop now. Amen? He's given us those promises for a reason. And he's given us those promises because he loves us. Amen? He wants to protect us. And it doesn't matter what the world says about us. It doesn't matter who the world says we are. We don't have to live up to their standards because we are living up to the standard that God has set for us. Amen? Hallelujah. God, we thank you. I'm not paying attention. I'm supposed to have already put my capo on the fifth fret, and I didn't do that while I was talking. So bear with me today. Pastor Roger and Carolyn are out of town. They, are, they went to Georgia to visit the newlyweds, uh, Emily and DJ. And so uh, you get to listen to me all day long. So I'm leading worship here, and I'm preaching in a few minutes. And so I'm just going to lay it on the line and tell you I'm a little nervous today. Uh, I'm a little nervous every week, but I'm a little bit more than a little nervous today. But uh, God is here with us, amen, because he's promised uh, to be with us. And so it doesn't matter what the world says about us. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they expect of us, because we live up to his standards, amen. Who am I? Who am I that the highest? I was lost and he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me, whom the sun sets free, oh, his free indeed, I'm a child.
We are your children, Lord, and you've given us your name, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us that name and all the power that goes with it, all the authority that goes with it, all the beauty that there is wrapped up in it, God. We thank you, Lord.
for the great power that is in your name. No other name is greater than your name. And so, Lord, today as we walk into a new year, as we walk into new situations in our lives, as, as you walk us through the things that we will encounter in this, in this coming year, we know that we are accompanied by the name that is above every name. We know that we are accompanied and we are walked through those circumstances by the one who created it all seated in heavenly places with him who has never lost, the one who has conquered it all, everything that we could hope to ever face. God, we thank you that Jesus endured not only the cross, but every temptation that we might possibly be tempted with. God, you allowed him to be tempted with that and brought him through. And the scriptures today say that we have a Savior that is touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. And so today, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we don't do this alone. Not only do we do this with you, but we do this with, with one another. We do life with one another, with our church family, and that is how you intended it to be. And so, God, we want to honor you today on this first day of the week, on this first day of the month, on this first day of the new year, to honor you and give glory to your name, to give thanks to you. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's already moving among us, moving in this place, and we pray that you would continue to move in the moments that we have left. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. And a happy new year. 
thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming out today. I know me, I stayed up till 12 a.m. to watch the ball drop, so I didn't get a lot of sleep, but I'm still here, and I'm glad everyone else is here. Again, welcome, and also welcome to all of you online, and Happy New Year. So if you are new here and you are in person, again, welcome. So make sure before you leave, once you leave and go to the left, you will see Connect Central, where you can get a sneak peek of what Christ the Cornerstone is all about and see what small groups we have here. And for those of you online, if you're new, you can click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And now for Connect Cards. So whether you're at your table or at your seat, you will see the Connect Cards, which we would love for you to fill out. So we know that you're here today, and also you can write down your prayer request because we are always praying for you here. And then same goes for everyone online. You can click the Connect Card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. So now let's check out, see what announcements we have for this week. Uh, the announcements that we have for this week, we did not film any announcements uh, because our director was uh, on vacation uh, this week, so I was instructed not to make any announcement video this week. So, uh, so I got the week off, and the director got the week off, and Lynn got the week off. Uh, the only announcement really that is important that we make to you today is, as we've announced over the last several weeks, on, January, on Tuesday, January 5th, there is a congregational meeting coming up, uh, and that is with our district superintendent, Joe Archie. And those of you that have heard the announcement, uh, know that there is and has been for several years now uh, a lot of discussion and a lot of disagreement within the United Methodist Church about different doctrinal ideas. And so our uh, board of elders is recommending, uh, this is not a done deal now, it's, it's, it's up to all of us to discern the process uh, by several means that uh, our district has set forth uh, for us. One of those is to attend this congregational meeting on Tuesday, June 7th, June, wow, that's January 7th, Tuesday, January 5th, I need some notes, Thursday, January 5th, now I got it, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go home now, I'll be back in a few minutes and maybe we can start this again, Thursday, that's why I'm not having rehearsal this week with my worship team. Because it's Thursday, January 5th at 7 o'clock. Thank you, Bryce, for bailing me out. There's the information. So I will just let you read it. Uh, after the uh, congregational meeting on the 5th, uh, there are a couple of opportunities to, to view a video on the pros and cons of uh, staying or leaving uh, the United Methodist uh, denomination. So that you can see is uh, at Ellesmere on January 8th at 12.30 uh, p.m. and here at the Bear Campus on January 10th. And so um, I am just going to now talk about stewardship uh, so I can just dig myself out of this announcement hole that I've gotten myself into. We thank you for your generosity. Uh, week after week after week, uh, we see uh, God's faithful hand at work in us because of your obedience to, uh, to his call to give. Uh, over and over and over in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, Malachi talks about bringing the tithes into the storehouse. And, and then Jesus talks in several places. Uh, you know, Jesus talked more about money than any other subject that he ever talked about when, his, when he was walking on the earth. And so uh, the, the part of the problem, I think, the uneasiness is when people come to church, we don't know how to talk about money 
uh, health in, in a healthy way and in an effective way. We don't ask for money to keep the lights on. We don't ask for money to keep the salaries paid, although that is a great blessing to me, especially to all of us who, uh, who depend on that. But uh, ultimately, we depend on God. And the most important thing that we do is we give so that we can do ministry in this community, in this, na- in this state, in this nation, and all over the world. We don't know... We never know necessarily from week to week or month to month how far reaching your ministry is going to be because of your faithfulness to give. And so uh, in this new year, uh, over the next uh, three weeks, today is the final day of our series on angels. Uh, We're preaching the final message of that. And then next week, uh, we're going to start a three-week series on stewardship. We're going back to the theme of greater things, which was a a sermon series we uh, did a couple of months ago. But we're going back to this theme of greater things and talking about how we can do greater things by being faithful to what God has asked us to do in giving. So uh, I'll just give you that little setup. So right there at uh, where you're seated, uh, you have an offering envelope. And uh, you can fill that out and put your offering in it. And there's some baskets at the uh, back just behind those camera platforms. And then there's some other baskets on the way out. Uh, and you can, um, you can put your offering in that. If you would, uh, if you would uh, say this verse with me, we have these uh, stewardship verses that we uh, say from week to week. And this one comes from Romans 12.1. Can we say it together? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you that we have an opportunity to turn it around and be faithful to you and to the ministry that you've called us to. And so, God, we pray that you would bless those who give today, uh, whether they're online or or in in the building. Uh, Father, we just thank you for uh, the many ways that we have to give and the many ways that we have to be a blessing to people in this world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know. Either I'm off my nut or he is. Or you are. It isn't me. Uh, maybe I'll let the car up at martinis. Well, come on, Gabriel. Clarence! Clarence, Clarence. Hey, uh, Little fella, you worry me. You know, you 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 got some place to sleep? No, you don't. Huh? Well, you you got any money? No. No wonder you jumped in the river. I jumped in the river to save you, so I could get my wings. Uh oh. Somebody said you made it. Made what? Every time you hear a bell rings, it means that some angels just got his wings. I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite Christmas movies ever. I could watch that back-to-back on repeat over and over and over again. That and White Christmas, uh, my two favorite Christmas movies. So uh, as we said uh, a few moments ago, today is the last in our series on angels. And over the last couple of months, we've been talking about all the things that angels do, uh, some of the duties that they have, some of the jobs that they uh, they're primarily messengers, and uh, they give us messages, and we go all the way back to uh, we go back to, to Gabriel delivering the message to Mary that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. And today's subject matter is, a, is uh, one that I don't necessarily feel comfortable or confident in talking about, and that is that angels assist in judgment. 
now, and I will tell you why I don't necessarily feel comfortable or confident in that. My early, uh, when, we, when, when our family first started going to church, we were going to a church from the time I was like eight or nine till I was maybe 11 or 12. And the pastor, he was just a screamer. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. If you want, if you're a pastor and you're a screamer, if you're watching this and you're, that's fine. If you want to do that, but this guy, he loved to talk about the Book of Revelation. And unfortunately for me, at the age I was at, it was all really scary to me, because that's kind of the way it was delivered. It was delivered in this kind of hellfire and brimstone, and and it was designed just to pardon the uh, pardon the way I say this, but it was designed to scare the hell out of you. Right? It was designed to make you so afraid of not going to heaven that you... And, and so it changed for, for the earliest part of my life. It changed my view on God. That He was some faraway being ready to crack the whip on me if I did something wrong. So that's why I don't necessarily feel comfortable or confident talking about judgment. Now, I will give you a couple of places in Scripture where it talks about uh, angels assisting in judgment, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about my fear uh, when I was a kid. And many of you might have grown up with this same prayer. When your parents, uh, when you're going to bed at night, your parents prayed this prayer with you. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now here's the next one is the kicker. If I should die before I wake, a nine-year-old is praying this, folks, and I'm going, time out. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And so every night one of my parents is in there praying this prayer with me, and they're like, you might die in your sleep. Sweet dreams. (laughs) And so I would say, like, amen, like as many times as you could possibly say amen, because it's like, I mean, even at that age, I understand what, I understood what amen meant. So, I mean, if you are... If you're in a situation where you need some amens, I got some amens stored up. You can have some of mine. Just go ahead and take them. So that's the kind of prayer that I grew up with when it comes to the judgment of God. And I came to the end of every single day of my life up to that point, up till I was 11 or 12 years old, hoping that by praying that prayer, that no matter what I had done throughout that day, that I had done enough good stuff to appease an angry God so that if I died in my sleep, that he would not send me away, that I would go into heaven. Now, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. So I will let you know, and, and you can go and look these up if you want to. There's a story in First Chronicles chapter 21 about David. And, uh, you know, David was the king. Now, it is so cool to me that David over and over and over again is mentioned in such a prominent place in Scripture because he did some great things, but he also did some bonehead stuff, right? So there's hope for me because I do a lot of bonehead stuff. But on and on, over and over and over again in Scripture, it talks about David. It talks about him in one place as being a man after God's own heart. Despite the things that he did, despite the fact that he had an affair, uh, that he that there was a child because of the affair, that he had the husband of the woman who had, he had an affair with killed on the front line because he didn't do what David wanted him to do. But he was still a man after God's own heart. So there's hope for me and there's hope for you, right? So God doesn't want us to be scared of this thing called judgment. 
What he wants us to do, I believe, is focus on a relationship with him. And that's what Christianity should be about for us. It should be about relationship and not religion. So that when we get to that place where we pass from this life into the next and we stand before that judgment seat, then not with pride in our hearts, but with confidence that we have lived a life that God is pleased with, we're ready to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you want to, uh, I encourage you, if you want to uh, research, if you want to look at how angels deliver judgment. So David, we were talking about that just a minute ago. And David decided that in this first uh, Chronicles chapter 21 that he was going to take the census of all the fighting men. Now, Israel was in a season of war, and they had racked up several victories, and they were kind of like the Ohio State University, except they didn't win last night. So, uh, oh, did I give anybody, did somebody, did somebody record that game, and you're going to watch it now? Sorry. So David's like, this will be great. We'll set up a photo op. We'll take a census of all the fighting men in Israel. We'll get the photographer out here. It'll be a great Instagram moment. It'll be all over You know, it's kind of like you've probably seen, I was thinking about, when I was thinking about this concept, you've probably seen this, uh, like I saw several months ago, this picture of a B-52 bomber, and it's from above, and it's all the weaponry that that airplane will hold and that will deploy, and it's pretty impressive. And so I think that's what David was going for, and against uh, against the advice of his advisors, they said, no, you don't want to do this, David. Because it's kind of like the pastor who pastors go into a big conference in the next couple of weeks. And so he goes through his membership roles and his attendance roles because when he gets there at the conference, he wants to be able to say, yes, I have 1,500 people going to my church. It's like, good for you. That and $5 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So what his advisors wanted David to know is that we don't depend on knowing that there are 1.2 million or however many fighting men there were in the nation of Israel. We depend on the name of the Lord. We depend on the name of the Lord to fight our battles for us. And we do that in our own lives, don't we? We count our resources and we say, God, this one's okay. I got this for you. And we do it in our own strength because we think we have the resources, either financial resources or physical resources or uh, mental resources, brain power resources. We think that whatever needs to be done in that situation, that we have the power to do it. So instead of talking about angels and judgment today, because, again, I don't feel qualified or necessarily comfortable about talking about judgment, we're going to talk about how angels delivered a message to some guys who were kind of the lowest of the low in society, and that was, those were the shepherds. So I want us to go back. We read this uh, just last week. It comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So even the shepherds knew that when angels showed up, there was probably going to be bad news. Right? Now, there's a popular country song that you might know. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Anybody ever heard that song? 
Well, in this particular culture, in this particular time, they uh, used to sing, Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be shepherds. Because they were the lowest of the low. They were the lowest of the low. Uh, religious people, religious people would not touch shepherds. They would not come in contact with them because they were away from town uh, for weeks on end and they weren't able to go to the temple. And, you know, in those days you had to go to the temple on a regular basis to be cleansed or else you were ceremonially unclean. And so that's how the religious people, that's how culture looked on shepherds in that day. However, the angels and God saw fit to give the first news about the birth of Jesus to shepherds. To those who are the lowest of the low. And it goes right along with the theme of where Jesus was born. He was born in that stable and laid in that manger in Bethlehem. And this goes right along with that theme of how God delivers. And then in us today, and Paul talks in the New Testament about giving us treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay. That's not where treasure goes, right? You and I both understand If we have money, we put it in a bank, we put it in a safe place, we put it in a safety deposit box, we put it in a money market fund, we put it in some place that's going to be really safe. We don't take our valuable things and put them in a broken jar. But that's what God has done in us. There were three reasons why shepherds felt distant from God. And we'll touch on these quickly today. First of all, they felt unworthy. Again, they were outcasts. In the nation of Israel, they were taught that they weren't good enough for God or religion. Now, how many of us think that today? How many of us in our own lives think I'm just not worthy of this gift that God has given? I mean, do you do you understand what I have done? Do you understand where I've been? I mean, we don't have we don't have children in our house anymore, but I do remember coming to church some days and just wishing that my arm was just a little bit longer because I would just grab one of them by the neck because they just, that's just what happened. You're on your way to church and you're about to kill one of your children. Amen? Or, oh, me? I mean, I've, am I the only one? I hope so. But God has made us worthy because of His Son, Jesus. He's made us worthy because of this pattern of delivering the best of the best news to the lowest of the low people in the socioeconomic scale of whatever culture we're talking about. So they felt distant from God because they felt unworthy. Second of all, they felt inadequate. They were uneducated. They were socially inadequate. Pretty much every conversation was over their heads. They were not smart. They were not popular. They were not attractive. They didn't have a lot of Twitter followers. They didn't have their tree posted on Instagram. Their house wasn't perfect. They didn't have, you know, perfectly clean floors and candles sitting all around and, and, you know, glowing in in different places in the house just to make things look perfect. Last night, it was my wife and I on New Year's Eve in our house. And so um, I, I wanted some snacks. And so I... We have this charcuterie board, so I cut up some cheese and some pepperoni and got some crackers and made it look... I mean, I should have taken a picture and posted it on it. It was beautiful for the two of us, you know? But that's just... that's Shepherds, they weren't that, they weren't that kind of people, you know? They didn't, have, they didn't have a lot. They didn't know a lot of stuff. They, didn't, they just felt inadequate in every way. 
And how many of us in our own lives, in our situations, how many of us get to points in our lives where we feel inadequate? I can't do this, God. Yeah, exactly. But with me, God is telling us, we can do all things. Amen? So the shepherds felt unworthy, they felt inadequate, and they felt unloved. They were known as thieves. They were not allowed to testify in legal cases. And parents didn't want their daughters to marry a shepherd. Right? So maybe today, maybe you're, maybe we are, maybe someone in this room or someone watching uh, online, we find ourselves in a place where uh, religion just doesn't work for us. We've tried it. But religion doesn't work for us because we feel inadequate. We don't know the terminology. We don't know uh, the culture. We don't know uh, what is expected of us. When really what God expects for us and what he expects us to do as a family of God is just welcome people in. Just welcome them in. It's God's job to change people. It's our job to love people. Right? So people here today, you, you might be here today or you might be watching us online and you feel un, unworthy, you feel inadequate, and you feel unloved. Mom, you can't do it all. Mom, can I say that again? Maybe some dads will say amen. Mom, you can't do it all. Right? Dad, you can't do it all either. Maybe there's some dads in here that think you're a failure financially and that you've tried all your life to to get to a place where you're financially stable, but you just can't ever seem to get there. Maybe you feel like you're moving in the wrong direction. Maybe you're watching us or you're here and, and you're, maybe you're not married. Maybe you've never been married. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. But the message from the angels to the shepherds on that day was, do not be afraid. First of all, shepherds didn't know that much, but I'm sure that they knew enough to know. They knew enough of history of the nation of Israel to know that many times when angels showed up, it was to pronounce judgment. Because that happened in the nation of Israel over and over and over again. You read over and over and over again in the Old Testament, the the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Over and over and over again. And there were angels there to, to pronounce that judgment. of. So when the angels appeared to the shepherds, what were they to think except, uh-oh, now it's on us. So the first thing that they said was, do not be afraid because this is good news. I bring you good news and I'm giving it to you because we, I want you to tell everybody else. Yeah, but we're unworthy. We're, we're inadequate. We're, we're just the lowest of the lowest. I don't care. God says, I want you to deliver the message to everybody else that today a Savior has been born. Today the Messiah has come. I want you to deliver that message. Well, I don't feel worthy. Okay. You don't have to feel worthy. I have made you worthy because I'm asking you to do this and I am empowering you to do this. So here's the good news. The good news, this is found in Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 22 from the New Living. 
For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has uh, shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So let's go back to this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. If I should die before I wake, God, help me to have done enough today in this day to appease you if I'm standing before you before I wake up tomorrow morning. There are three more things that I want to just touch on very quickly. Number one, you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, Moses had handed down In addition to the Ten Commandments, there were 613 laws. And there were just as many of those about things that you should do as there were about things that you shouldn't do. Now, when we think about the laws of our nation, there are thousands and thousands of laws in our nation, primarily to do with you shouldn't speed, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't take things that are, well, that's part of the Ten Commandments. But there are, over and over and over again, there are laws in our nation about things that you shouldn't do. Now, there are things in our, on our law code that are, there are things that you should do. You should pay your taxes. You should you know, get a license when you're driving. You should do, there are things that you should do, and there are, uh, those are based on the law. But the law, the law of Moses, the law of that time, and even those laws that are spiritual laws today, we don't gain God's acceptance by keeping the law. Again, Romans 3.20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Number two is the purpose of the law is to show us our need for a Savior. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. There's this whole list of things, and there's no way that I can keep them. I'm inadequate to keep all the 613 laws of Moses. So what's left? What's left is I turn my attention to making a relationship with God the priority in my life. The purpose of the law is to show us our need for a Savior. And the third thing is righteousness with God comes by faith in Jesus Christ alone. He has made us worthy. The angels delivered the message to the shepherds on that night. Fear not. Do not be afraid because I bring you good news. I have made you worthy. I have made you loved. I am giving you the message that a Savior has been born. Because Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. Christianity is Christ plus nothing. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals relationship with God. It doesn't matter if we feel worthy or not. When I was a young, aspiring conductor, this has been 35, 36 years ago. Uh, Many of you know that I uh, traveled, my wife and I both traveled full-time music ministry um, before we met. Actually, that's how we met. 
And uh, so I was off the road for some time, and I was working with this conductor that worked for the same organization that I did, and I looked up to him a great deal. I learned a lot from him as a conductor and as a musician, and he knew that I wanted to be a conductor. I was, at that time, I was playing in the band. I was, you know, doing lighting, you know, directing the lighting uh, stuff that was going on with our group on the road, but he knew that I wanted to be a conductor and that I was kind of moving in that direction. And so we were on a weekend where we were doing uh, this organization that we worked for also not only had groups that traveled, but they had stationary uh, concert choirs all over the country. And so we happened to be doing a weekend uh, at a place not too far from here up in New Jersey, uh, closer to New York City. And uh, so I was there with another friend of mine who was doing the sound. I was supposed to do the lighting and uh, our other friend was going to do the conducting. And so he, we, there was this one song in the concert that was, I just love this song. I love this song. And I had worked on this song, and he knew that I had worked on this song. And so we were at rehearsal, and he turned to me. He, I didn't know this was going to happen. He turned to me, and he brought me up, and he said, Bill, I want you to come over here because I want you. And he, if you know anything about conducting, conductors just don't give their baton to anybody. He was like, I want you to rehearse this song with this group and then tonight when we do the concert I want you to direct the song and I'm like whoa 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 wait a second I'm, I'm, I'm this is your deal I'm not worthy to do this I haven't paid the price that you have okay well I'm I'm saying that you are worthy to do this even though you don't think you are I am making I am putting you in a place where I am saying you are worthy to do this because I've seen your work I've seen, your, I've seen you studying this. I've seen you working toward this. And I know that you have this in your heart. And so I was probably more nervous than I am today, quite frankly. But we did it. And it began my career of even going deeper to study more and more and more about that. And, and that's one of the reasons that I am where I am today as far as been a choral director now for 30 some years and it was all because somebody saw in me even though I didn't feel like I was worthy to do it somebody saw in me that desire and that ethic and that drive and he said I know you don't think you're worthy to do this but you are I know you don't think you're able to do this but you are and I'll be right here something that God wants you to do. Maybe he hasn't yet, but maybe he's going to deliver a message to you in this new year about something that he wants you to do that you don't feel worthy of, that you don't feel qualified for, that you don't feel like you have the ability to do. Well, that's why he's here. he waited until all of us were qualified before he called us I mean how that that's back to David counting his fighting men okay so first I'm going to pay the price with my education I'm going to get this experience I'm going to get this degree I'm going to get this degree and then when I feel qualified then I'm going to step into what God wants me to do and what he really wants us to do is step in there now, it was really, really foggy yesterday, and 
many of you experienced that. So I was thinking about this message today, and I was thinking about that in the case of of the fog. And if you were standing on what you thought was the edge of a cliff, and God asked you to take a step and step off, but I don't see the ground, God, exactly why it's a step of faith. Because if I could see the ground where I... If I, I can see the ground where I'm walking right, so it's not a step of faith for me to walk across the stage. It's a step of faith for me to step into something that I don't know, how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. And guess what? We might fail. But God is still there to pick us up. Would you stand with me today? God delivered through angels, through His messengers, the most important message ever to be delivered through the people in the socioeconomic level that were considered the lowest of the low. But he gave them the message. And that gives us hope today because we don't have to be somebody to be somebody. Because God has already made us who we are. And he's called us for a specific purpose, whether we understand it or realize it or have even heard of it to this point. He's called us. We're going to gather around the table of communion here. Something else that we are unworthy of. We are unworthy of the sacrifice that God made for us through His Son, Jesus. Those that are going to serve uh, can go ahead and come. So in a couple of minutes, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then after that prayer, uh, we'll invite you to come down. We have uh, the bread and the juice. We have gluten-free if you need that. And uh, those that are serving communion can please come now. Uh, Thank you. And um, we invite you to come down the center aisle and go back that way. If you don't want to, um, if you don't want to take the bread and dip it into the cup, we still have the prepackaged. The regular stuff is over here. The gluten-free stuff is, is on my left, on your right. But God has made us worthy because of his son Jesus to receive this, to receive this gift. And so today, as we think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, let's be grateful, number one. But number two, let's understand what it means for us. That time after time after time, week after week, day after day, I find myself feeling unworthy, feeling unqualified, feeling unsure about taking that step of faith. Father, we thank you for your blessings, and we thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to gather around the table of the Lord and receive these these elements that represent your body and your blood. The Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And you did that for us, Jesus, once and for all. We celebrate you, as we've said a number of times in the last couple of weeks, we celebrate you as the baby in the manger. And that's what we do at this time of year. But, Lord, on this and every day, we celebrate you as the risen King. And we are reminded one more time today, as we gather around, as we take these elements, we are reminded, God, that you chose us. So as we take this communion today, God, we just pray that you would minister to us. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. We're going to do this a little bit differently today. Uh, These folks are going to serve. Uh, 
I just really kind of felt like uh, early on that I'm just going to be available at the altar if somebody wants to talk or if somebody wants to pray. Uh, our band is not coming back to sing another song. So when you come and you receive your communion, if you want to go, you can go. If you want to fellowship, you can fellowship. But if we're going to fellowship, let's take that outside so that we can kind of maintain an attitude of an atmosphere of prayer uh, and worship in here. So uh, we welcome you to come and and, uh, take that. And if anybody wants to talk or pray, uh, I'll be available at the altar. God bless you.